I'm going to start off this morning by telling you a story that I've told probably a number of times in this church. Uh, some of you have heard it. If you've heard it, just nod and smile like, like it's new to you. But there's a lot of people who are new, and uh, we have, uh, obviously, we have a large group of visitors with us today. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, see, feed them, and they will come. <laughs> and, uh, you know, over your life, you have... Uh, events, you have moments, you have run-ins, encounters that, that really stick with you. And, and this is one that uh, has stuck with me since, well, I was probably in college. I used to have the opportunity to work in a lot of summer camps. Uh, one of my best friends in the world, his dad ran this summer camp. It was in West Virginia. And, and uh, my best friend's dad, who was the director of the camp, he was a PE coach. And so he built everything kind of on sports. He was big into sports evangelism. So the entire week was um, these groups that we had, our little, our little groups. We were in all kind of competitions with other groups, and we would keep track over the week in this kind of Olympic format. And, and that was how the camp was set up. But one of the counselors I worked with, she had polio. And so she spent her time on these crutches. And so here we are in this camp, you know, with everything being about athletics. And, and one of the counselors was, uh, you know, had her crutches and that was her life was, uh, that was her life. Well, so one night she got up and shared her testimony and she was talking about how um, she had been reading this passage, passage we're going to study today about how we're all part of the body of Christ. And uh, she said, and she was telling us in like one of her darkest moments, she came to this realization like, if I belong to the body, then I'm nothing more than a nose hair. It's like, you know, look at me, look at my condition, look at how I have to function in the world. You know, I'm broken and, and my life is, is just so much less than so many other people. And, and then, then I'm just, if I belong to the body, the best I can hope for is to be a nose hair. And she said, then it occurred to her, and she started thinking about it. Well, what do nose hairs do when it comes to the body? And she goes, she realized, nose hairs are the first line of defense for your body's health. It's the nose hairs that, that filter out all the gunk and the dust and the yuck that's in the air that we breathe in. It's the nose hair that protects the lungs so we can get the oxygen that actually gives us life. And without nose hairs, we would breathe in so much stuff that life would be greatly deteriorated. And as she thought of the important, the, the massively important role of a nose hair, she goes, well, then I'm going to be the best nose hair I can be. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the body of Christ and how we all fit within that. And, and, and there are no unimportant parts. And, and the Bible actually will teach us that those things that we deem the least and the most insignificant really play vital, vital roles in the health of the body of Christ. Just for those of you who are visiting with us today, back in February, we started a, a series, uh, a, really a journey we call the 3D Disciples Journey. It comes complete with a manual. So when I talk about the manual, this is what I'm talking about. Um, and we just kind of looking at what it is to be a disciple of Christ. In the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at what we call, or over the last several months, actually, we've been talking about what we call the big three. That is self-denial, uh, forgiveness and unity. Uh, for a long time, Christianity is based, you know, what a healthy Christian is on by prayer, Bible study, and church attendance. And not that those things aren't good, 
good and important and people should do. But the really challenges to being a Christian, the things that's the most difficult to do, and the things that Christ says, to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. To be forgiven, you must forgive. And the way you show the world you're one of my disciples is that you love one another and you live in unity with others. Those are really the big three things. And as we've studied them, they're really the most difficult things in being a, a, a disciple. You know, reading your Bible is easy compared to forgiving someone who has really hurt you or, or denying yourself when you want what you want. Those are the really challenges that we're looking at. And so we're in our fifth chapter, which is a chapter based all on unity. And, and we're going to be looking over through this chapter the instructions for unity, but also some of the real challenges to unity. Today, if you have your Bibles, though, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read 12, verses 12 through 26 today. If you're, those of you who use your manual to kind of keep your notes, that's going to be page 65 as we talk about the body of Christ particularly today. Um, sometimes when we're covering these topics, we have to do a whole lot of jumping around. But today is really one of my favorite things to do is we're going to settle in on one passage and we're just going to break those verses down and look at the instructions from one passage and we can just really sit there and kind of deal with that. Uh, first, I want to read the whole passage and then we'll come back and break it down into its component parts. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 26, it says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Or if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, hearing, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the member of the body, which seems to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which, deem, which we deem less honorable, uh, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member that which, member which lacked, so that we may have no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another." And so today, as I said, we're in chapter 5, we're talking about the body of Christ and what it means to be a member of this body. 
And so first of all, we just realize and understand that the body is a unity. This is the chapter on unity, and we talked a lot about unity and what that is last week. Verses 12 and 13, for even as the body is one, and a couple of different times in this passage it talks about the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, through the, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the one Spirit. The word one is mentioned over and over and over in those verses. One body, at three different times it says and, and testifies, there is one body. And so one of the reasons we preach unity, and, and, and I say this is one of the most important things, and, I, and I've shared this, is I really believe the unity, that, that unity that the first century church had is really what set it apart from all other religions of its time. Because it broke down every dividing wall. It broke down every social construct that separated people out. You have slaves and frees. You have Jews and Gentiles. You have men and women all worshiping together, all coming together to take care of one another, to greet each other with holy kisses, to, to, to eat in each other's houses. They broke all the constructs of the world and showed the world a unity in Christ that they had never seen before. And it's true when we look at history that wherever Christianity is proclaimed, wherever Christianity is taught, all the divisions that mankind so sets up and thrives starts to break down because we look at each other as brothers and sisters and all part of the one body. One of the things, one of the reasons we need to always preach and think about unity is there's, there's a saying, we're, we're usually only about two days away from chaos. I, I worked in therapeutic wilderness camping, right? And, and part of what we would do is I worked with a group of 10, well, anyway, they were special boys. Uh, they were the cream of the crop, right? Uh, they could function in no other setting. And so here we are living in the woods together. And, and, and we would build these groups in our lives. We would do these adventure trips where we would canoe 230 miles uh, on the Suwannee River. We would, back a, we would backpack 100 miles on the Appalachian Trail. We would go set up a teepee on the side of a, uh, a lake in the Blue Ridge Mountains during January and February, right, and live there for two weeks. And we needed one another. We depended on the cohesion of the group for us to be able to function, literally to get to our meals and to get to bed on time. It took all of us. And so we would work on group dynamics and holding our group together. But, you know, kids would graduate the program and new kids would come in. And you were always worried, like, if we don't always strive for unity, it won't take but two days and the right kid to come in and this place will go crazy. Right? And so we were always focused on unity because we, we needed that to function. And that's probably true in almost any situation, that unity is something that doesn't just happen. It's very intentional. Uh, we have to really work at it because if we don't and we all start doing our own things, it only takes just a day or two and it's running everywhere. Besides, one, uh, besides we also preach unity because I believe disunity is what Satan wants. Have you ever heard the, the saying, divide and conquer? Divide and conquer? I believe that strategy comes straight out of the pit of hell. 
I'm just going to, that's, if we're unified, what is Satan wanting to do? He's always wanting to disunify. He's always wanting to break up what God's brought together. And so we strive for unity because it is one of the number one attacks that I believe Satan brings against the church. And so focusing on that and making that important is really, really part of it. And if you, this, this whole illustration that God's doing, if you walk into a room, right, and you see somebody, and there's an arm over there, and there's a leg over there, and there's a hand up there, and a foot in the balcony, you know, and, and something else in back in my office, you go, wait a second, something's wrong. It's not supposed to be this way. A disaster has happened. And God uses this illustration of the body to show how important our unity actually is. That amputations are not good for the body of Christ. The second thing I want us to understand, though, though the body is one, it is also a diversity. It, it, is, it is made up of other members. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were a hearing, where would the sense of smell be? I, I will tell you this. One of the things that I'm the most grateful for for First Baptist Church is we are a diversity. Uh, and, and I'm grateful for that. Sometimes jokingly, I will tell people we're kind of like Rocky Road. We've got a little bit of everything, even some nuts. But the truth of the matter is, and I won't talk about who the, who the head nut is, but whatever. You know, we just, it really makes me smile every Sunday because I, I know we have those people in our church who, who I call the reverent steel, right? Like when they're worshiping and they're in the presence of God, they stand very still and motionless and they just soak it up. We have those who are the hand raisers, right? They, they, they really like to express themselves. Some of them do it the Baptist way like this. Some of them really do it with their hands up there, right? There's a diversity. Uh, we have our music swears. That's what I am, if you ever notice me. I, and I try to stop, but I don't know why this happens to me when I start singing. It just does, and I'm sorry. Just try to ignore me. We even have a tambourine player. Thank you for bringing that out this morning. I didn't even talk to you about it ahead of time, so praise the Lord. You know, diversity is part of what we're supposed to be. And the fact that we have a diversity here and a diversity of churches within our, uh, our area, you know, we talk all the time, you hear me talk all the time about the League of Pastors, and I know a lot of you guys sit under some of my brothers from the League of Pastors, and let me just affirm that, that these guys, your pastors and I meet every week together, and there is a great diverse bunch, but I think God gets more glory out of our being together than he does us never talking to one another. You know, and so the body is supposed to be all these things. And one of the things I've learned from the League of Pastors is I have grown to appreciate their perspective on God. I shared last year at our, or one of the years at our community communion service, I shared a picture. And it's, it's typically not used in the way I use it. It's, 
But, but I, what I realized, it shows a group of men touching an elephant, right? And one guy talks about how big his legs are, and one talks about how small his tail is, and one talks about the tusk, and one talks about the ear. And they each have this different description of what an elephant is based on the part that they're, they're dealing with and they're touching. What I realized from the League of Pastors and by us coming together is that I don't understand all of God. And some of those guys understand different parts of God that I don't understand. And I gain a greater appreciation, a greater understanding of God is as they explain what they understand. And as I get the chance to explain what I understand and coming together to, to, uh, as one, we have a bigger picture of God. And I realize how little I really understand. And, and I've grown to appreciate the other perspectives of really Bible-believing, gospel-teaching uh, preachers in our area. In verses 27 through 31, which we didn't read today, it explains, even uh, kind of shows this diversity of gifts that, that the, the God intended for us all to have. And, and that we do need every person to be part of that body. You know, we're, we need the nose hairs, and we need the hands, and we need the knees of those who pray, and we need the hands of service of those who serve, and, and we need the, the mind of those who think well, and we need all the parts of the body to help us accomplish the task of advancing the kingdom. And so as you have talents and ideas and passions and giftings and longings, let me invite you to use those for the advancement of God's kingdom. One of the things we've been talking about in our 3D Disciple over the last weeks that we, I've tried to add this to each week, and we, I call it active discipleship. Discipleship isn't, again, one of those things that just happen, right? I read the Bible, I go to church, and I sit around, and all of a sudden, discipleship just Bust out all over me. Now, that discipleship is really an active process. It's, it's something we have to intentionally, purposely strategize and sometimes make ourselves go do. Go and be disciples. And so there's a verse in here that, that usually I save this for the end of the sermon, but I'm going to bust in right here in the middle because there's a verse I want you to look at that I really want to encourage each and every person here to be actively, intentionally, purposely being a disciple. In this verse 18, it says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body just as he desired. But, but it is as God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And what I want you to understand is God has a purpose for you in his body. If he's connected, if you're connected to the body, if you're a member of the body, there, there's, there's something for you to do. God's put you where he wants you. And if you're not where God wants you, get where he's going to put you. That's really one of my greatest tasks and desires as a pastor is help people find where they fit. And so if you're going to be an active disciple, you have to answer this question for yourself. Where do I fit in the body? What is my gifting? What is my calling? What is my passion? What is my talent? What is my mode of service? How do I fit? Am I ear? Am I a knee? Am I a hand? Am I a, an eye? What, what, what do I do as part of this body? And let me encourage you not to be fat. You know what fat is, right? I happen to know through years of experience since I was about three. Fat is potential energy. 
That's all it is in your body, right? It's potential. You have this energy stored up in you, and it's just sitting around waiting to do something. And in the body of Christ, we have a little bit too much fat, a little bit too much potential. We sit around, and we hear, and we study, and we learn, but we don't activate that energy. And so we are all called to be active members of the body. I have this friend. I've known him for a very, very, very long time. And one of the greatest things I can say about him, and that's simultaneously one of the worst things I can say about him, is he had great potential to serve the Lord. He was charismatic. He was one of those kind of guys that, like, when he walked into the room, for whatever reason, People noticed, right? People wanted to follow him. People wanted to be close to him. People wanted to do whatever he would do, right? And and there was a time when he was close to the Lord, and he could have had huge impact on the world for Christ. But he chose a different way. And I sit here today and think, if he had only lived up to the potential that God put in him, He could have done amazing. God could have really used him. He had just these gifts and this charisma that that would have drawn people and impacted people. And I sit here today telling you he had great potential. And it breaks my heart because it never was realized more than potential. And so we have a room full of people with similar potential, the the opportunity to serve the Lord and change the world and advance the kingdom of God. May it never be said that we get there and, and God says, man, you had so much potential. You had so much potential. Instead, don't you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You activated, you moved, you you were active in serving the body. And so I encourage you, find where you fit and work hard, live up to the potential that you have given by God to serve him and advance his kingdom and affect eternity for the name of Christ. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's a promise. Each person that's part of the body is equipped for the growing and maturing of the body. And so let me encourage you to activate your discipleship. We learn a couple of other great things from this passage uh, that are that really important principles, especially when it comes to the idea of unity. And that is that the body has a, a mutual dependence, right? That, that we're, we really, really need one another. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. I started off telling you about this, this friend, this uh, girl who, who shared, you know, I'm a nose hair. How important is that? And, and too often we think, if I'm not here, 
it won't matter. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, it won't matter. And it may be true that if we don't do what we're supposed to do, if we don't fulfill our calling and our action in the body, God may put somebody else in that place, but that's for our loss. And so us really realizing how important we are, that we need one another. I, I, I would submit to you that, that I think in the coming years, we're going to find out just how much we need one another. We need each other in this place. We need each other in this community that the body of Christ is going to realize that we need each other more and more and more. There are no Lone Ranger Christians that there's a mutual dependence within the body. And whatever it is you do, and, they, and may you never say, because if I hear you say this, I'm going to correct you. Well, all I can do is pray. What? All you can do is talk to God Almighty on our behalf. Well, you please do that. Fervently, constantly, and without delay. Right? That's, a, that's the thing I've heard so many times in church, you know, people, like, the only, the only thing I can do is pray. All right, you're a knee. If any of you has ever had a knee replacement, you know how important knees are, don't you, Jody? <laughs> knees are pretty important. And if you're the kneeler, if you're the knee of this church and all you can do is pray, do it with all your heart because we certainly need it. That is very, very important. There is a mutual need for everybody in this place to advance the kingdom. The other lesson that we learn is that the body, because everybody is needed, there really is no hierarchy in the body. It continues, but verse 24, but God, this is a lot of part of verse 24, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. We all fill positions, right? There is no most important part in this church. The people standing up here are not more important than the, the, the person who takes care of the, the dirty diaper in the nursery. That's my favorite example. Because it, it really just is about the body, there, there is no hierarchy. You know, when we start to think about body design, we often like, you know, we, we kind of like the heart is really important, right? Or the brain is really important. And we, we highlight those areas. In the years of ministry, and, and I don't have a biology degree, but, but I've just learned this through experience. It always amazes me when you go into a hospital and people are sick, and like, you know, they got heart problems and the doctors are like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this with the heart, you know, and they look at the brain. But it's always amazed me, like when the kidneys start to shut down, doctors get really serious, like this is grave. You know, the, those parts of the body that we, we dishonor are, are so integral and, and so important. There isn't any part of your body that you can really live without. I, I think it's interesting to think, you know, we got one heart, we got, we got one brain, right? We got two kidneys. Like, you can live without one, but you can't live without both. It's like God kind of built in, a, like, well, if one goes bad, that, that system is so important, we need two of them. We need a backup plan, right? You got two lungs. You can live without one, but, but that's so important, we, we need a backup plan. And, and your liver, that, that part of us that nobody ever thinks about, you know, 
it's the only part of the body that self-regenerates. It's like that thing will fix itself if you don't keep abusing it, right? And, and these, these parts that we don't think about, that we don't hold in honor, that like our heart and our brain and, and so forth, God's given us extras of those and they gave them special abilities. And I just think it's a, it's a wonderful example of there is no hierarchy. There's nothing in the, our body that doesn't matter. There's nothing that's a throwaway piece in the body of Christ. And so as you may think of your position, whatever that is, base it on who you serve and not the popularity that it gains. There is no hierarchy. We all need one another, and therefore we are all very, very important. There's one part of the body that we don't talk about, and that is that the body has a spirit that collectively we have a spirit within us. You know, our physical bodies, we talk about the composition of man, that we, we have a physical body and we have a spiritual self too, or we have a, a material self and a, a non-material self. And we talked about early on in, a, in our 3D disciples, like when you come to Christ, that spiritual you comes to life, and now you have a, a spirit living in you that you can take care of. Well, the church and, and the body of Christ has a similar spirit. If you'll look back up to verse 13, it says, For by one spirit you were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether you were made to drink of the one spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verses, verses 3 and 4 that we read last week, tells us to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, that belongs to your call. And the spirit of this place, is, that's really where our unity starts. You know, is us being, it's us all moving in the same direction, us all appreciating one another, us all uh, putting others before ourselves. When I worked in that therapeutic wilderness camp, one of the first things I would do, the, the way I learned to maintain the unity of my group so that we could function so well, is you had to get really good at, at kind of feeling the spirit of your group. And there were lots of times that I would just sit my group down or we'd be sitting there and I'm like, guys, I, I feel something like, like we're out of spirit with one another. Like we're not all pushing in the same direction. We don't all care about the same thing. We're not all looking for the same goal that, that some of us are, that, that our spirits are, are, are at odds with one another. Some of us want to do this and some of us want to do that. And some of us want to do something else. And I'm like, we got to come together. We got to build a unity of spirit before we can build a unity of action. And that's a really important, because we're bound together. We serve, we're, we're, we're put together by one spirit. It is the spirit of God that connects us. Maybe you've experienced that in your life where I, there's been times where I will talk to people and I don't know them from Adam. Maybe it's the first time I've met them. Sometimes it's on a phone call. I can remember one particular case where I was looking at a, a mission opportunity for our church, and, and I called this pastor. They had posted online, you know, this this uh, project that they wanted done. And so I called the pastor just to talk to him, like, hey, I want to talk to you about this opportunity, what you need done. 
And, and I could tell you, like, when he answered the phone, within like 30 seconds of talking to him, I could tell, like, this is where we need to go. This is what we need to do. I could, I could sense the, the, the Spirit. I could sense the Holy Spirit connecting us. Like, what you need done, we can do. <laughs> and we showed up in West Virginia and took a schoolhouse and turned it into a church in a week. I mean, went from tearing down two classrooms. When we left, there was a vaulted ceiling, uh, a, a platform for them to have worship on. All they needed was carpet and pews, and they were ready to go. And, and it, it's just amazing that when you move in the Spirit, that connected part of us. And so may we always be seeking the Spirit's guidance and direction for us to move together, to bring unity to us, unity of vision and purpose and ultimately to advance the kingdom and to glorify God. There's one active discipleship thing I want to leave you with today. So we've talked about finding your place. Well, there's another part of active discipleship that's attitude, right? That actually our attitude is something we have a little bit of control over, probably more than we recognize, you know, that we're not just slaves to our attitude, that we can work on our attitudes, and sometimes we need to put effort into having the right attitude. And here's so, so as we think about the body, how important it is to be unified, how much we need one another, how we have roles to play in that, to advance the body, to build it up, to advance the kingdom, how we need one another. Here's the attitude, I think, really that brings unity to the body. It's not about me. It's not about me. The, the quickest way for us to, to disunify and, and to cause amputation and to cause the body to be disunified is to make it about me. My desires, my wants, my preferences, and, and, and so forth. And so if it's not about me, and we realize it's the body that matters. It's the kingdom that matters that this is Christ who I'm serving. I have a, a place and a role to do that. If we can adopt that attitude and say, I don't care about me. I don't care about anything else but the body to see the kingdom advance. And again, that's uh, part of what we're trying to strive to do here. Um, and I just want you to know that, that in this particular body, this congregation, we belong, you belong to something much bigger. That we as individuals belong to this congregation, and that's bigger than us as individuals, that we're greater than the sum of our parts. But also this congregation belongs to the group in Clarion, what we call the League of Pastors. And we've strived in great ways to show unity of here in Clarion, and I'm grateful for that, as I've said over and over. But we're also part of the, the Baptist Resource Network. That affects the state of Pennsylvania. There's three over 300 churches in a two-state area that come together to advance the kingdom. By the way, on that matter, uh, on October the 3rd, there's a, there's a meeting in, in, in Harrisburg. We would, I would love to send members of our congregation to go represent us at the state level, that you can know what we're doing as a state and that we have a voice in the state. Um, and so we're part of something even bigger than that. We belong to a national uh, a group of people so that we affect things nationally. We're actually part of the largest uh, Protestant denomination in America, right? And we fit into something bigger than ourselves. And more importantly, we have a very small part in touching the entire world. And beyond that, 
we have a small part in touching the eternity. And so on every level, we are, some, we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. And so may we live focusing on that, that my life is part important to something much bigger and much more long-lasting than I will ever be. We literally have the chance to affect all eternity. Advance the body. Advance the kingdom. That is our role in serving Christ, our head.